One of the real challenges when we look at uh, this whole corporate wellbeing space is how can you get accurate real-time data that actually makes a difference to, to how you go forward managing your workplace culture. Uh, a solution for that has been uh, put together by uh, today's guest on our podcast, Scott Bidmead. Beyond Wellbeing leading a thriving, generative and conscious workplace culture with Daryl Brown and Lena Mberku. Well, today on the show, we have um, a very interesting person, someone with a background in psychology who's also a filmmaker and um, is at the same time is co-developing and, and developing an app that helps in the corporate well-being space. So there's a lot going on there and to start the start us off so really good to have you uh, with us Scott. Yeah thank you thanks for having me and that's a great intro I mean it makes me so, I feel overwhelmed just hearing my job title of all the things I <laughs> I'm working on that's funny. It's a good, um, what do they call it? A bag of cats. Good bag of cats there. <laughs> oh yeah, it's taken some time to get to this, uh, to the current state of cats. There's been a lot of refining and tweaking, and but yeah. I got really intrigued when you said that martial arts uh, led you to psychology, and I really would love to hear the story. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, it's not. I mean it's not really the most contra. Um, like conventional method to getting into psychology but for me I was I grew up on the Gold Coast I didn't really have a lot of structure and discipline and I, I had some you know rough friends and stuff like that and it was at this point that I went with a, f a few friends and we went and did uh, Muay Thai which is Thai kickboxing and we were introduced to that we went we would go up to Mount Tambourine which is this like you know nature and would go into this random session and do Muay Thai and, and for me I'd never done anything like it and the introduction not only to the the art itself and the physical elements and the kickboxing but we'd also do elements of meditation we would do elements of they would talk like the coach would kind of talk about principles which a lot of it comes from buddhism because it's obviously backed by thai and the thai culture and stuff like that and for me i just it just kind of sparked this intrigue and interest into developing the mind and the body and then i got really into it and committed myself to it and started to build positive habits and fitness and I started to see the benefit of meditating and stuff like that and then it wasn't until years later that I decided to to, to go back to uni and formalize that uh, interest and understanding with you know a degree and then I kind of moved more into that space so but yeah but it all started there with um, Thai boxing and then I went to Thailand a few times and that was really cool as well to have a bit of an experience of their way of life and the simple because a lot of it does blend into the Buddhism kind of monk mentality, even for the, like, you, you wouldn't think that with like these kickboxes, but it's a very simple life, meditation, fitness, eating healthy, community, spending time, creating a positive habits and, and removing distractions and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So tell us a little bit then, um, what was your, what was your attraction to that kind of whole mental side of things? What, what um what was your kind of journey there like i don't i don't suppose you just turn up and go oh that's nice i'll just I'll just follow it was there something that really helped you or moved you forward yeah i think it was having that those structures and frameworks in place that i didn't realize existed i was so young 
and then seeing the impact that was having in my life and then the life of the people around me and that I was training with. And I think that then led me to start reading. So then I started to read a lot of books in, you know, um, psychology and mindset and self-development and different um, spiritual ideas and things like that. And then it kind of, yeah, so it all kind of leapfrogged from there. So, and then I think a big part of it is also, yeah, seeing the impact in my own life, seeing the impact that it was having in the people around me and being able to kind of measure that. I thought that was really interesting. What do you, when you say measure, what do you mean by that? Like just, just compared to three well, months ago to now? Yeah. I mean, like at the time it was around even just my focus and habits, like I was distracted and I wanted to go out with friends. I wanted to do that. And it was at this point and I, and I looking back, I can see the correlations between these habits and practices and my life direction and my focus to shift toward more towards my studies and wanting to make something of myself almost and wanting to, you know, refine what I wanted to do at uni and, and having more, um, yeah, almost like getting more towards that self-motivation, self-actualization kind of stuff. So I think that's how I could measure it and see the impact it was having. And then it just kind of built on there and, and, and has continued, I think, throughout my life and career. I feel so touched um, hearing that because um, my background is in Aikido that I practiced when I was a child. Oh, so cool. <laughs> yeah, and it has also shaped the way I am as a person today. I think that's, that's, that's part of self-development and that desire to go beyond who you are and to keep uh, refining who you are as a person and... Uh, and practicing, I think that that idea of a practice is mm -hmm. is quite fundamental. So, uh, yeah, I felt really drawn to you when you were sharing um, that story. And um, I guess what has also really piqued my interest is this uh, well-being platform that that you have been developing because. Um, the idea beyond, behind this podcast was to really bring to people the latest trends in well-being. And I think that um, this idea of yours seems to be really at the edge. And I was extraordinarily curious to hear about it when um, when I read about it. Yeah, thank you. No, I'm excited to share. And it's been, it's been a journey as well. And it's very cool about the Aikido. And I think just quick, just going back to that quickly, I feel like, so like, Kung Fu, I don't know if you know this, but the concept of Kung Fu is actually the mastery of a task. So the actually, the definition of the word isn't the martial art itself. So you could find Kung Fu in being, sweeping the street or by mastering your bakery skills. So there's all these like transferable things. Um, and then I don't know if you've seen The Last Samurai, like some of the concepts with, um, anyway, I could, I could geek out about that for ages. Yeah. But, <laughs> I will also open my own little bracket because I have created a methodology called mindful cooking to apply oh, nice. to uh, in the kitchen, and I've been running corporate team building events, etc., to show people that you can apply mindfulness to any mundane activity. Yeah, because you can informal mindfulness. For me, like kickboxing is a really good way that I get into flow, but also in terms of photography and creative things are one of the best ways that I find informal mindfulness. So I definitely. Um, yeah, I think that's a great idea, and it's a good it's a good entry point to finding more mindfulness in something that people are already doing. So, but yeah, um, so Yuda, very exciting. The whole journey started. I was the 
uh, chairman at Headspace Adelaide, the youth mental health service, and I was doing that for some time, and it was just a really incredible, rewarding experience, and you know, it just filled me with purpose and meaning. And a, a lot of the the throughout the period, we worked with a lot of big people and culture teams around the country. And what I was seeing was that a lot of the decisions around well-being weren't being backed by um, data or much. It was kind of a lot of guesswork, and then there wasn't enough kind of measurement in between. It was you know, you have a survey here and there, but there's nothing which is kind of preemptive ongoing. And then I linked up with an old business partner of mine who's this tech genius and he runs a software company. So then we partnered up and we just started to create it from there. So essentially now it's, the, the idea is that it's a complete corporate wellbeing solution, which supports, so it's a tool. It's almost like the way we explain it is in the accounting world, there's like zero and stuff like that or myob which accountants use to facilitate their work. And the whole idea is we're creating something like that, but in the corporate wellbeing space, which, so we've got the app, we've got a software platform, um, we've partnered with some incredible experts, we've got expert programs backed by the likes of Stanford University. So yeah, it's been really an exciting journey. And I think with COVID and everything, there's more of a need for it now than ever. It is interesting you talk about um, having a corporate well-being app and something that measures health and measures, you know, mental well well-being and that kind of thing. Because I think often we, the metrics, you know, we've, we've talked about data, but data has always been um, really, it's only it's it's really outcome stuff, and it's not measuring the kind of more intangible sorts of things that mm. perhaps you're focusing on here, that must've been quite a challenge in um, how working out either the interface with the app, but also just how you, what you would actually be able to measure and how you would go about doing that. Can yeah. you tell us a little bit about how you've kind of changed what's being measured Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think the whole idea is that we wanted to keep it really simple. So it's a very like top line overview approach. Um, we've worked with a financial modeler. He's like a big, he, you know, figures out the numbers and, and to create some really simple algorithms, which then the tech genius has, Josh has put into algorithms that kind of break down the data and spit out different results and stuff like that. But in terms of the idea, it's a full circle. So there's an employee app which makes um, providing the data easy. And the whole idea was we needed to create an, something on the app which motivates the staff members to want to provide their data because they're getting something out of it as well. And there's a few different touch points. Then the, the data from the app feeds to a dashboard. And then that's a whole nother conversation because it was the whole question of how we filter and, and display this data in the most practical and simple way. Because at the end of the day as well, we're not, this isn't a tool for psychologists, for example, who have very specific and very experienced, um, they need specific things based on their expertise. This is for you know people in culture teams who just want more of an um, informed idea of a general pulse check to then be able to roll out different programs or ask for help from an expert in a specific space or ju just to take a bit of the guesswork out of it. But I think the whole idea was that creating a bit of a um, circle approach. So just just on that then, just to get nitty gritty, what does that what are some of the aspects that you're that you've chosen to measure that help to to um, to 
to show us that pulse, to give us that kind of measure of well-being in a, in a business. So um, there's kind of how it works on the app is you can check in, you can provide how you're feeling in terms of really specific things as well. Like you've got things like you're feeling good, you're feeling, uh, you're feeling motivated. And then that digs a little bit deeper and you can um, select specifics like you're, you're feeling overwhelmed or um, levels of calm. So some of these key like words, but we've simplified it and made it a little bit more, you know, palatable. And then there's a way to get a bit more specific, which is almost like a micro pulse survey, which is where you can actually anonymously leave feedback, which could be about anything. So that's where you can dig deeper and say, you know, I'm feeling overwhelmed because X, Y, Z, and then that gets fed into the AI algorithm and then it pulls out key triggers. So if you've got like 200 anonymous messages to look through, it will find keywords and pull them out so that you can have a top line overview and see if you keep seeing a certain word come up or you keep seeing a certain name come up or a location, it just gives you a bit of a overview identifier. But um, yeah, like general emotive status feelings um, is the top level. And then we give that a positive or a negative score so that you can kind of see over time trends if you're having less days of staff feeling overwhelmed and more days of staff feeling calm and that works into the graphs and yeah. But it, it, it's quite tricky to explain without kind of showing it. But the, the whole idea is keeping it simple and keeping it um, understandable and also anonymous. Brilliant, brilliant. So this has come from a whole bunch of, of your thinking and I suppose you're working with other teams as well in this um, kind of corporate well-being space. What are the, some of the, the key things that you think are uh, important in this space that, again, have to be measured, which we've kind of talked a little bit about, mm. but, but some of the things that you know, companies need to be on the lookout for? I think a big one is looking at a bit of a shift in your approach in terms of and a focus towards uh, preemptive well-being. So I think, and things are going that way, which is great, but I think in the past, obviously, you know, um, psychology, there's, there's a focus on what's going wrong, mental illness, and fixing something once it needs to be fixed sort of thing. And I think with positive psychology and mindfulness and all of these, you know, the new wave of psychology, there's a lot more of a focus on building resilience and well-being ongoing and preventative. And I think that has to be the big focus. So, and whether that's the form of ongoing access to support, um, you know, mindfulness training, meditations, we've got um, guided meditations in the app and kind of prompts to kind of get people involved in that. I think the big focus, yeah, needs to be on something preemptive, long-term, measurable, and not, um, not just on fixing something when, when, you know, when it needs to be fixed sort of thing. You said the word flow earlier, which of course reminds me of the work of. Uh, uh, Try and say the last name. Really? <laughs> I said it. And, uh, uh, I can't do that. I'm still not at that level. It's such a hard last name to pronounce. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then you mentioned positive emotions just now, as you calculated in your app, which also, of course, reminds me of the Therma model and, and Martin Seligman's work. So I was just wondering how how you've been using positive psychology in your previous work and um, and what do you think is needed beyond positive psychology? Mm. 
Yeah, I would say definitely Martin Seligman um, and the PERMA model are probably the core concepts underpinning a lot of the, the decisions that we've made and the, the framework that we're kind of using. I think um, in my own life, PERMA, I've always, even to the point where like, I'll, I'll literally break down. And I mean, for people, positive emotion, engagement, relationships, meaning and accomplishment. So these are the five areas that Martin Seligman kind of identified and like evidence-based that make up well-being in the whole life and I to the point where literally I'll have a whiteboard and I'll just break it down into these you know the parameters and see where I am in each area and things I could do to improve the different areas and um, and I think a big part of our work with Yuda has been in that space definitely looking at positive emotions um, ways to boost positive emotions engagement again like mindfulness is a really good way to boost engagement um, strengths-based approaches really important and then flow I think on a personal level has been something that has has been a really big part of my life and very impactful in terms of um, a practice that I've kind of found where my best work comes from when it whether it's writing or whether it's brainstorming um, it's where it's almost like a bit of a release and a bit of a yeah moments of peace when I'm doing something where I find flow even and I'm always I feel like I'm always look like looking for new things that I'm like oh that like I was playing uh, squash the other day and I was like oh I haven't I've only ever played it when I was young and I started playing it with my cousin and I was like oh I just got in like this is good like this is a another kind of channel in so I, I yeah I feel like I'm always looking for new ways I know I've got lots of friends where like intuitively that's surfing for them but they didn't they don't realize you know the concept behind it but they're like yeah I mean I when I surf I'm not thinking about my to-do list and I'm not thinking about anything I'm just there and I'm feeling it and it's great and it just it's autonomous and it's effortless and I'm like that's good because flow is feels good to experience it but it's also obviously great for your well-being and for for building resources well-being um, mental resources as well so yeah. I'd be interested in, as we continue to talk about flow, just um, Scott and Lena, just um, how, how often can we get into flow and is, could it be a goal of um, businesses to provide an env environment when we're actually working in a flow state, you know, to actually generate output for the company, for the enterprise? Is that is that a is that a like a a lot too lofty a goal, or is it just going to be something that is a portion of your life and maybe outside your workspace? Lena, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's definitely a mindset, and I think that uh, it can be trained, and you can create the conditions for it. You, you you cannot necessarily engineer it; like it's one of those things that just emerges out of certain conditions. Um, so it, it's, it would be challenging, I guess, uh, to, uh, uh, to measure as well when people have been in flow or not have been in flow. Like, of course, you can have a survey afterwards and see like, uh, uh key indicators, whether, uh, people are having that sense of, uh, uh, focus and enjoyment and effortlessness and, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But, what I find is that when people have meaning and purpose in what they're doing, when they are feeling truly engaged because they believe in what they're doing and there's always that, that magnificent story 
of uh, the the bricklayers that are building a cathedral and one of them is saying oh, I'm just putting bricks on <laughs> and the other one is, is saying I'm helping to build a cathedral so when you have that mm. that um, feeling that what you're doing is contributing to something that's higher than you and you have that sense that whatever you're doing is helping the whole I guess that can give you that sensations of of flow and and you would probably find more ease in doing what you have to do. For sure, I agree. And I, that, that's, yeah, well said. And I think as well, so there, there are obviously some key elements that they identify which kind of enable flow. So if the, if the task is challenging enough, but we have the efficient skills to meet the challenge, and then there's feedback, those are some of the main things. So I mean, and then, so if we could create an environment which enables that, you know, improving the feedback mechanisms, um, providing more training in certain areas to get people to a point where they feel like they have that skill to challenge ratio and yeah, or identify, you know, there's ways to identify people's key flow characteristics. Like if they're more towards using their strengths and more towards the creative approach or yeah. So I guess there would be, it, it would definitely be challenging, but I think there would be ways to create a f or facilitate an environment, which is more, which is more flow inducing or more flow like, you know, it's there. It's, it's, a, it's a better environment to potentially lead to it. Absolutely. No, I reckon, you know, as we talk about, you know, in this podcast, it's be, beyond well-being. There's a place that we can really uh, like as employers or as, as, a, as a team of people create a space where we can optimize how we function as human beings like that's that's just that's that can be part of that can be flow but there's also that whole collaboration piece isn't there and mm. and that place where you're feeling safe and you're not operating out of your um fight or flight kind of um mode of your life so yeah there you go you've got a bit Definitely. of work to do yeah that's it and i suppose that's that's part of you know if you're using a model like um the uter and, and the and the kind of the, the statistics that come out of that then you've got a way of starting to work towards really optimizing your workforce in a way that is good for them and it's obviously going to be there's going to be some bottom line benefits for the company definitely yeah and i think not only like you, not only are you improving yourself and you're consistently getting more resources and understanding to improve yourself and your ability to do your job, but with Uta, the whole idea is that over time we will improve the service offering and add in you know, new features and maybe one day it will be some kind of flow map or measurement tool or something. So I think it's, it's exciting. That makes me very excited to think about the, the possibilities and the potentials with a platform like this where we can take it. And there, yeah, in terms of ROI, definitely there's, you know, studies coming out which show that there can be up to a $5.70 return on investment for every dollar spent on corporate well-being. And, you know, and then the ROIs, I guess, go further than just money. And it's like, what's the, the productivity benefit or happy employees that can be up to three times more productive or, um, you know, Richard, uh, Richard Branson talks about how if you have happy employees, they come first because if you have happy employees, then you'll have happy, happy customers because it's a flow on effect. So I think like if you actually stop and think about it, the ROI is 
huge and it, it touches lots of different areas. Mm. It's been fantastic that there is this kind of, it has been a, it's a growing change of emphasis, isn't it? That we've worked away from that industrial model where human beings are just cogs in a machine. Mm -hmm. And um, if they're not working, you chuck them out, um, you know, or you, you, if it's broken, then you don't kind mm -hmm. of heal it. You, you, you know, you replace the machine, you make a newer, faster, better, quicker model. Yes, it's less transactional. That's, ex yeah, we're coming into an, an era which it is, there is so much negative that we could focus on, but there's also a lot of positive and that is a big positive because conversations like this probably wouldn't have happened, you know, a few generations ago or whenever. Yeah, so it's exciting. Yeah, and hearing you speak about organization as a machine um, reminds me of the work of uh, Frederic Laloux. He wrote uh, Reinventing Organizations and um, he sees organizations as a living organism rather than a machine. And just having that different perspective on organization just changes the way that those organizations treat their employees. And mm. the impact is just quite extraordinary. Yeah, because it isn't fluid. It, it is like a living thing and it changes and it fluxes and you can do things that are good for it and affect it. And that's cool. It's not just this fixed static yeah. machine. Yeah, we. <laughs> We've had such a basic model, hasn't it? You know, like inputs, outputs. It's sort of like very, very straight. But um, even like as the understanding's grown, I was in a, a financial modeling seminar a few years ago, and they they started talking about um, the system, even the financial system now, is that it's a it's a comp. It's like um, how ants do that. There was a big metaphor around ants. So it's again, it's a nature metaphor, mm. but around that, the whole, the whole way we interact and the whole way the financial, uh, system works, it's a complex adaptive system. So it's not, so everything affects everything else all the way through. And, and I suppose that's getting a little bit more into what we're understanding now in terms of the, the humanity of organizations and the way that they operate and the way they operate best. Mm. It's all interconnected. Mm. Speaking of humanity, um, I was curious as well about um, our frail human moments. And I was wondering when you have experienced darker moments or setbacks or uh, difficult times, like um, what did you use, I guess, to to overcome that, or if you, if you if you could share any stories of those those particular moments and what mm -hmm. happened then. Yeah, yeah, we're getting deep on a Friday afternoon. I like it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think everyone has everyone has challenges and everyone has periods of ups and downs throughout their life. There's been a few key ones for me. Like I went through a big change in my life. I was living in Adelaide, and then I had a girlfriend and a life and an office and had built this kind of life, but I just realized, you know, what I needed to do. And, and, a, and a lot of that, I moved to America and then I had this crazy experience over there. And I think through a lot of that change and taking away the tent poles, because if you look at the PERMA model, um, you know, it, the simple fact of moving to a new city can be challenging because it takes away some of those tent poles of relationships, community support, um, someone to speak to, you know, all of that kind of stuff, your consistency, all of these different areas. So I'd say that big, the shift for me, a massive shift in my life, that was a pretty challenging time. And it, it was hard. There was a lot of reflection and 
a bit of a refocusing around my career and it was almost like identifying more of what I was passionate about and letting go some of the things that maybe it was good money but it wasn't really helping like filling my cup and it wasn't the things that I knew I wanted to do or I was passionate about so that was a big process I think a lot of reflection and um, I remember at one point like speaking about perma I, I had these I did some work for this for 3M, this big company, and they sent me all these um, like samples of their products. And one of them were these big butcher's papers that kind of stick to the wall. And I just remember this key moment and I'd stuck them all up on the wall and I was going through and just breaking down the different areas of PERMA and you know just reflecting and that kind of stuff. And I think doing things like that helps give you perspective to let some things go and to identify what to focus on. So that definitely helped me a lot. Um, building a, a sense of community, even over there, meeting some like incredible people, and 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 it's never too late to start to build more positive relationships around you and more of that support network. Um, so that really helped. And then I think, yeah, just going back to the the habits and the processes that you know work, and identifying that for you. And if that's fitness, and that's you know. For me, finding going back, getting back into boxing after I'd got out of it for a long time and falling back into these things, I think it's really important to sometimes to break down your like red flags or warning signs of things to look for in yourself when you know you might be, you know, in a bad place or getting close to being overwhelmed or something like that. But then at the same time, I think it's good to identify the things that you know fill your cup and that you can use, and it's almost like a toolkit. Um, of positive resources that you can tap into so yeah and that for me is I got back into yoga I got back did boxing I um, just kind of started filling my life with these positive things and yeah and then I came out the other side and stronger and I think it builds resilience as well because you know that you can get through something which is challenging and yeah and make it through and keep moving brilliant and and you're you're working on some new stuff now as well like uh you, you were telling us before there's a book in the works or something like that <laughs> yeah that? just to add another thing to the mix um no so actually well i can't i can't speak too much about it because it's not it's kind of um you know it's with my eight my i've got you know literary agent and stuff like that and i'm just at the process of writing a book is hard it's <laughs> Like, oh my, it's just a, a process and I think I'm getting very close to it being finished but then also there's that perfectionist thing, you know, maximizing over satisfying approach so you need to identify that. So, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it is about positive psychology with a blend of personal anecdotes and stories and stuff like that, um, trying to make it really practical and, and yeah, some adventure and travel stuff thrown in there. So hopefully that'll be finished soon, but yeah. We'll so, it, so it's got a, it's got you're talking positive psychology, but has it got a particular bent on it that there's uh, kind of like you know really sort of marks you out as some somebody with a with a perspective? So yeah, without going too far into it, it's like a um, definitely my own perspective, my own experiences, and I would say a good example is. Uh, Russell Brand's book Recovery. So he breaks down the 12-step process for recovering from addiction, but he does it in such a unique way, and it's such a, it's through his lens and it's through his stories and it's through his experiences, and I think people relate to that because 
you know, since the beginning of time, stories have power and we, we respond and relate to them. So I think that's, I mean, the point of difference and a few little tweaks. And I guess my approach is trying to make the science more uh, relatable and less science, um, you know, less, yeah, just a little bit more relatable and, and palatable. Accessible, that's the word. Yeah. So it's exciting. So just chipping away on that. And again, that's another good way. The creative process of flow and tapping into some of my like character strengths. So it's good to have something like that. And it's also, I mean, it's a really good point, I guess, just thinking now is like not only working towards the end goal of having it finished, but identifying that the process of doing it is also a good thing because it is also something where it is injecting more creativity into my life and it is, you know, getting me to put myself out there and learn more and, and go through that process. And so, yeah, I think that's, it's always important to remind yourself to enjoy that, the process of doing it as opposed to just the end goal. Yep. No, I can see that with, um, you, you know, we, we talked, I, I imagine in, in companies sometimes they might frown on some side projects and things like that. But, but there's a way that really in some ways, perhaps um, company cultures would be better off encouraging them because sometimes it allows you to kind of uh, just use more of yourself and challenge yourself and, you know, all that kind of thing. Whatever. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I know it's, it's, it's almost that balancing act, isn't it? Because I know even, for example, um, so Gary Vaynerchuk, who's a big business guru kind of guy in the States, and he, he is all about like, start, start your side hustle and go all in and just do your side hustle. And he went with that approach. And then he got to the point where he was like, oh, pe like people are kind of taking this a bit too far and they're doing it during the day instead of doing their own work. And so then he had to create like a whole policy or side hustle policy, he calls it. But he still believed, and I, I think that's an interesting that journey that he's went through been through because i guess it is finding that balancing act of weighing up the positives because there's definitely positives of that i would say in terms of finding more passion and fulfillment and then bringing that to work and transferable skills and things like that but then i guess it's that balancing act of also wanting stuff to, yeah burning yourself out and 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 wanting them to focus on their work as well as and not being too distracted or we're getting uh, close to the end of our time together. So I'm just wondering what parting words would you have? Like if you were to, to talk to organizations, like what, what do you think that they're missing at the moment in terms of uh, their approach to well-being or what, what is it that you'd like everybody to know about and, and think about in terms of corporate well-being? So just give me a call and I'll help you out. <laughs> no i'm just kidding got net for that. <laughs> no no i i think the biggest thing is just in term for, in a corporate sense is just prioritizing it and actually stopping and realizing just how important it is right now your staff your most important asset people are going through this unprecedented time so you need to be able to realize the importance and and it's and it, it's not about like Oh, we're, we're busy. It's funny, like you have these, um, some clients you work with and it's like, oh, but we're like, we're all really overwhelmed right now. We're going through our most busy period and we're really overwhelmed. So we can't think about a program or a corporate wellbeing program. And it's like, 
Well, that's the exact reason why you should be doing it for this, to help you through this busy time. It's like the quote, um, if someone says... But they don't have enough time to meditate. You're like, okay, exactly. this is what you need to if, Yeah, if you, ha if you have enough time to meditate, then you should meditate for 10 minutes a day. If you say you don't have time to meditate, you should meditate for two hours a day because it, it's that kind of mindset. So I think prioritizing it, like speaking to different experts and getting different opinions and working out the right um, fit for your business and something which is organic and, and kind of fits well and it's backed by research and science and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and also not expecting or getting overwhelmed by the process as well because as a HR person or a people and culture, you know, director, you don't, you, you don't have to be a psychologist and you don't have to have all the answers. It's even, you know, yesterday was, are you okay day? You can ask the question and then you can have the conversation, but that doesn't mean that you have to take the pressure or ownership of having all the answers or being the ultimate expert in everything. So, and that's okay. Very good. Well, thank you very much, Scott. Um, What's the best ways for people to find you or find out what you're doing or read you? No, we're not going to read your book yet. <laughs> not yet, but you can hold me accountable for the book. I would say uh, my Instagram is probably just at Scott Bidme. That's where I put most of my stuff out there. And then you can, if you want to know more about Uda, it's just uda.co, E-U-D-A.co. And yeah, Uda obviously stands for Eudemotic Wellbeing. The ultimate form of fulfillment so brilliant it's been really delightful thank you Scott. likewise guys thanks so much and keep up the great work i think it's, it's such an important conversation right now you've been listening to beyond well-being with daryl brown and lena mberku what a great interview with scott there so of course if you uh, want to get in touch with scott scott bidmead uh, his company that's developing the app is at uda E-U-D-A dot co and uh, we've got a couple of little websites as well Lena's website on macroleaders.com.au and uh, my little uh, one that will take you through to a little Facebook group I run called UpsideDownLeader.com we've got some great uh, interviews all scheduled in uh, over the next few weeks so make sure you're still uh, sticking around for that um, subscribe to our podcast and like it and share it. See you next week.